to Lunch Hour, everybody. Today we have Jennifer Thigpen. Uh, Jen is not only just a really close friend, um, she's an amazing leader, pastor, and uh, she has uh, degrees out the quazoo. So, <laughs> Jen, uh, yeah, I just used that. Um, she's a graduate from Azusa Pacific and Fuller Theological Seminary. And so um, today we are really blessed to have Jennifer with us. And uh, so, yeah, so Jenny, if you can just share a little bit of your story, a little bit of your, your past and what God's done in your life, and that would be great. Okay. Um, well, thanks for having me, Ashton. Um, it's nice to have you down the hall now. Um, I am in my early 30s and have spent my whole life in church, um, grew up the daughter of pastors. Um, they got licensed when I was 13 and just kind of fell in love with the idea of church um, from a very, very young age. And um, God called me to worship ministry when I was eight years old, which led me to pursuing a music degree um, at Azusa Pacific when I was in college and graduated from that. And then somehow um, through God's amazing grace, ended up in seminary. Um, I graduated um, and my time in seminary was something that I just I couldn't imagine um, it just opened up a whole new world of how I think about God and um, and so that's been really cool but loving the local church has always been the thing that has mattered most to me and so I've served in a lot of different roles throughout my life um, I was a worship pastor for six years at Simi Valley um, I'm currently serving as children's pastor in Lancaster um, at Life Church, and it's been something that um, I've kind of watched God just grow and develop me over the years in, in different ministries, ones that I didn't even think I was going to do. I was a youth pastor for a little bit. I did young adults for a little bit. Um, I have a, a mind for administration, so I've been helping with camps um, on like a back end, but also the Lord has given me a voice to like speak and write too. So it's just been kind of a crazy journey of obedience for me and seeing God playing um, and up and shape it for the season that I've been in. So it's, it's, it's been weird, but it's been cool. <laughs> I think your connection, Fernando, were you hearing something in her connect while she was talking, was she kind of breaking up a little bit? Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh, I wonder if, Okay. Well, Lord Jesus, we hope the connection still, still holds yeah. in, in Jesus name, claiming it right now. But, um, well, cool, Jen. And, and something in your story that's unique is that you were just working at a, a school with elementary kids, if I'm correct, um, with special needs. And so I know that that has really shaped you recently and done something profound in your life and pulling it into next gen ministry. Um, more and more we're seeing, um, you know, students with special needs. And so I just wanted to ask, you know, how has that been shaping you lately? And maybe is, do you, do you have any insight with ministering to students with special needs? Um, yeah, it's funny. Um, how I ended up working at this school was kind of happenstance, but totally a part of God's plan. Um, before I moved to Lancaster, I had gone on to um, I had gone to um, a missions trip in Sri Lanka, and we had met um, some kids at a, a home for kids with special needs, and that was something that just kind of really 
touched my heart in such a deep way, but I didn't really know what to do with that because I was never um, somebody who had had an in with kids in, in special needs. And so when I moved to Lancaster, I needed a job and I ended up working um, starting in elementary school and I just finished a tenure in an, a middle school um, working with kids with developmental and physical disabilities and it literally changed my life because um, don't about this kids think about kids ministry or youth ministry um, those are the kids that get lost and forgotten sometimes um, just because they're not necessarily present or we don't know how to make space for them um, so as I got more involved at the school, the more the Lord was just showing me how to love people who are marginalized and disenfranchised. And especially with um, the last kid I was an aide for, he didn't have much uh, verbal skills. He was 11, but had maybe three words. And so learning to communicate um, beyond just being able to like speak and have a conversation learn the power and and looking at people and, and communicating even though they didn't seem like they understood and so that's influenced how I've kind of taken on a ministry perspective of making space for kids um, with different disabilities um, like you said Ashton like we have so many kids that are on the spectrum or have different types of abilities um, and really seeking to understand and to support those families um, it's so hard sometimes and I think being in the school it showed me even more um, how much parents need from us as people in ministry to support them when they feel like their kids don't process the world the same way and will be forgotten and marginalized but to to open them to welcome them with open arms and say like you have a place here has been such a, a big motivator for me as as a pastor of like making sure that everybody are welcome regardless what might what society might look at them and say like mm, you're weird or you don't have a place here because you have this disability or your race or your gender um and, and really being able to say like no jesus died for you too um so how can we welcome you into this space and i don't know that i have all the answers but it's definitely put me on a path of of seeking out how we can best love that community. That's really good. And one um, pointer that I was talking with somebody about is just making sure that if you can just have one day a year where you pull in your youth leaders, your kids leaders, and just talk through special needs. Um, what are we gonna do? And I mean, if, if practically just getting maybe a special needs teacher or somebody specialized in that field and just having them come in, you know, they're in your community and just saying, hey, let's talk through how we can serve these students better. And um, yeah. the best approach I've seen is just having that training and then having a specific person that had gone to that training shadow that one student because special needs students tend to um, need one-on-one -on -one versus you know normally mm -hmm. in other ministry we're having like one-on-six or one-on-eight. Um, and so just that one switch of saying, hey, if we have a kid on the spectrum, we're gonna have a one-on-one -on -one leader with that person guiding them, helping them, talking through the lesson with them or the activities with them. And that has been yeah. huge. Uh, I think that's a huge good first step. What do you think? Intentionality is key when it comes to, to issues of kids with special needs. Um, it's 
it requires so much more um, because we can't just say like, oh, well, we'll put like special needs kids just with everybody else. Like, even if you don't have the people, like I know in my ministry, like we have a couple kids on the spectrum and we may not be able to provide one-on-one -on -one assistance, but to be really intentional to make sure that those kids with like sensory processing disorder make sure that accommodating them like if the room gets too loud I see that kid and I'm going to make sure to make sure that he's in the back of the room or that he's not feeling overwhelmed just really being intentional about seeing those kids and and making sure that they're okay um and I mean the, the thing about special needs families is that in the church they're probably some of the most underserved um people because they feel like oh, I'm going to take my kid and I want to go to this church, but the room's too loud or, you know, kids don't know how to interact or they don't have the social skills for it. And sometimes I, I remember going in after I started working with special needs kids and I was just like, man, we're going to miss out on something awesome because these families feel like they can't come to church because their kids are going to be um, an inconvenience. And showing them that they're not an inconvenience, that we will go out of our way to feel safe and is such a huge, huge deal. Yeah, I was just looking up um, a statistic. There's 15% of kids have special needs. That's 2.8 million kids, uh, adolescent kids in the United States. So um, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. And so... And yeah, and depending on where you are, depending on your community, that number could be so much higher. Um, I know in Lancaster, because we've had, you know, kids that were drug babies and other things that will, um, like, contribute to, to things that would lead to special needs, um, that is an even higher number for our community. So, like, just depending on where you are, depends on what kind of need you have there as well. Yeah. Well, and this is where I want to take the conversation maybe in a little higher thought direction. So I'm going to put you on the spot, Jennifer, put those M, that MDiv to practice. But um, <laughs> one thing I wanted to think about, because this is really a theology of serving the poor. And um, I want to tell a quick story real quick of probably one of the worst conversations I've ever had with the next gen leader. So uh, okay. yeah, so this is going to be fun. But I was talking with a youth pastor once. And he was like, you know what, I think I'm going to get out of like youth ministry um, I think I want to go into like maybe plant a church or something like that because I've realized students can't do anything for me. <laughs> He's like, you know, they don't show up on time. They, they're kind of goofing around when I'm there. They don't tithe. So there's no money in it. <laughs> you know, it's just, it was like <laughs> the worst, like it was at that moment. I was like, yeah, I'm kind of glad you should probably leave your position at a church at this point. I was like, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I think you move on. Um, and, you know, again, that really showed um, the heart there. And, and I think when we look at Next Gen Ministry as a whole, these are students that, you know, we're serving that they, they can't do anything for us, right? We're, we're doing it out of the kindness of our heart. We're doing it for a call to serve the next generation. We're doing it because Jesus has called us to serve um, the poor, the people that can't do anything, maybe through their, their skills or abilities yet, because they're adolescent, because they're kids or they're youth. And so... Um, Jen, I think it's important for us to have a theology um, that is about serving the poor, because as you read through the Bible, that's kind of what Jesus is all about. <laughs> he came uh, to serve the poor. 
um, to seek and save those who are lost, the marginalized, and today talking about disabled kids. And again, just bringing that into the next generation. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, uh, on the theology of the poor, and maybe even looking at, at that in the context of kids in America. Um, so yeah. I have so many thoughts. Uh, I guess the best way to start is the fact that throughout Israel's history, and I'm going to get a little bit theological on you guys for a second, um, God mandates that Israel was to take care of the marginalized, the widows, the orphans, um, the people that couldn't do anything for anybody. So that is very much in the nature of who God is. Um, that he is on the side of people who don't have all the power. Not to say that he's not on the side of people with power, but he is especially tenderhearted towards those that don't have power. Um, so those are, in our society, the poor, the, the socioeconomically poor. They're the, the kids that are disabled. Um, you have the people that are in um, systemic issues of, of race and, and gender inequality. Um, you have, don't uh, have voices. And I'm such a, a person that believes that God is on the side of those people and that it is our mandate as Christians to love them. Um, Jesus talks about in the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, and then he goes on in later in Matthew to talk about, um, let the little children come to me and don't hinder them because the kingdom belongs to them. And so the more I study the nature of the kingdom, the more I understand Jesus welcoming in the people that are on the margins. Um, and so for me, that has, has taken how I minister to kids even more seriously. Like I've always been a kid's person um, not a kid's minister, but like, I love kids. Um, I love being around them. And so seeing how God has even used my life from when I was a kid and having people that, um, a child, even though I had nothing to give them, like that was such a huge deal for me. And so to, to talk about like a theology of the poor, the of the marginalized maybe is even a better term of Jesus was so intentional about welcoming those people in because that was always part of the heart of God um that it wasn't about who has the most power who has the most influence um because you look at the story of Jesus with the children and it says that his disciples got indignant because parents wanted Jesus to be with them and Jesus said no let them come so he had such a, a heart for kids who, kids are the lowest of the low and were in blows the blow in Jesus' day. Like they had nothing to give. They had no money. They had nothing that they could contribute to society. Um, but Jesus welcomed them anyway. He, he, you know, he touched the leper. He, he hung out with sin and taxes. Like he welcomed all those people in. And I think that that's so important that when we're doing ministry, especially for next-gen ministry, and particularly in this generation that is so um, passionate about seeing justice for those that are marginalized, that we just take a kingdom perspective of Jesus welcoming in those that couldn't do anything for him. 
you didn't see the kids up there trying to save him from being crucified you didn't see them out there trying to feed people like they were just kids but he said the kingdom belongs to them so if it's the truth then I have to do my part in in helping develop what the kingdom looks like by pouring into people that may not be ever be able to do something for me yeah well thanks Jen that that's really good and like I said thank you for dropping your theology on us uh, you have <laughs> always a good perspective. I want to shift our conversation a little bit to your ministry at church right now, being uh, a pastor, kids pastor. And I just want to ask you just some practical questions. So um, the first one would be, you know, what's going well right now for you? What's, what's something in your ministry that you would, you know, just say that would be good for everybody to hear? Um, I love my kids ministry. Um, one of the things that we've been super intentional about this year has been um, marrying this idea of our our church's identity with our kids' ministry identity. So at Life Church, we have four core values, and I've been working those into um, our curriculum for the year. So for, for the first core um, value is we are people of the word, and so we've been really intentional about getting kids into the word of God, um, and that's been really cool just to see them grow and develop and like use paper Bibles and learn the books of the Bible and be able to, to read the word of God for themselves, um, starting from a really young age and, and really equipping them um, to see, you know, how they can continue to grow and develop um, and giving them the tools to do that now. Um, so for us, you know, kids ministry, for some people can feel like babysitting. I see it as an opportunity to, um, soldiers to to go out and be kingdom people um and so we're just giving them really practical foundational like ministry like um right now we're in a a, a series on missions and like what does that look like for you guys like you may not be able to go across how to be a missionary in your school how can you be a missionary in your home, like, and really just giving them practical ways that as they continue to grow and go to youth group and then go to the main service that they have these foundational tools of, of what it looks like to serve Jesus. And they don't have to wait till they're grownups to do that. And I think that's a key, Jen, and, and maybe we can even talk a little bit about this too, of um, working with the senior pastor, of course, is, is key in the vision with what's yeah. going on and, you know, in the adult service. Um, how are you working with parents? Because it sounds like, you know, working with those values and stuff. And of course, in kids ministry and really in any next gen ministry, you're working with parents a ton. Yeah. And so how are you kind of merging those two? Um, well, our church is, is the size where it's still easy for me to know all the parents and all the kids um, between the nursery and our fifth graders, like, like we have, we have an eye point to, to try and talk to all the parents as best I can. Um, we use Facebook groups as a way of communicating to them. Um, we also have a planning center. So we have planning center people so I can send out like email blasts if we have things. But um, the best thing I've seen is just one-on-one -on -one intentional personal relationship of looking somebody in the eye and asking, you know, how's your family? What's going on with your kids? How can I pray for you? How can I support you? Um, and, and I think that that intentionality has given me some 
some really good favor with the parents that they feel like they can trust um, what we're doing and, and trying to get them involved in, in participating as well, especially as we come into a very busy summer season of encouraging them to, to jump in and, and be a part of it. That's good. And it reminds me of in our office, you know, talking about values, uh, one of our values, our core three values is relationship releases ministry. And so you're taking more of a relational approach in uh, with the parents and yep, relationship will always release more ministry pot uh, potential. So um, one of the questions I also want to ask more practically, um, is there any opportunities or anything that's maybe not working well or any shifts in your ministry that you wanted to bring up? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, thing about kids ministry is that more so than probably any other next gen ministry is the need for volunteers. Um, and that's something I feel like we're always trying to like recruit. Um, I'm not a great recruiter. Like that is just one of my, like my flaws and I'm good with it. Um, but, but getting people to, to be involved, um, beyond just the like, Hey, we really support you, but actually like showing up to, to be a part of it has always been a challenge for, for me um, in various ministries, but particularly in kids. So there's always opportunities for that. And then finding a way to make volunteers. So what I just implemented was a season of sabbatical um, where every month we're rotating people out of our serving schedule to just take time to be in the service with the adults. Um, and it, it, it's kind of crazy um, because we still have a need um, and giving two or three people off time off a month um, doesn't help with our need. But I think that prioritizing rest and prioritizing um, community beyond just service um, is gonna be really helpful for modeling for both our kids and our leaders what it means to serve God with balance. Um, so it's a challenge. It doesn't help or need any, but it certainly does um, reprioritize and reframe um, the fact that we're serving God and that God will and still believe that God is all that we need, even in the seasons where we feel like we have a lot of lack. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, the next thing that we do in lunch hour is just ask our guests to give us a little encouragement. I think we all need it, uh, especially in next-gen ministry that is uh, constantly shifting. And there's, there's more than ever, we're facing um, obstacles in our culture and our current pop culture. And so um, I know that all of us need a, a good word. And so Pastor Jennifer, Reverend Jennifer, um, preach into us for a few minutes, uh, please. <laughs> um, okay, so this morning I got up and I was like, Lord, what do I say to encourage? And what uh, is always, and it took me to Galatians 6, 9. That's just a really simple, let us not grow weary and doing good uh, for in due season we'll reap if we do not give up. Um, it's interesting because working at a higher level from the district perspective, um, and working with Ashton for as many years as I have, we've seen so much turnover in next-gen ministry. Um, a lot of times it's burnout or, you know, next-gen does, ministry doesn't pay well. Like, it's, it's all of those things. Um, but 
even in the difficult seasons, like for a while I was working four jobs to make ends meet. Um, more than a while, it was two years. Um, but even in those really trying and difficult seasons, um, I saw so much fruit coming out of um, just being faithful to do what the Lord had asked me to do. Um, working with kids and youth and even young adults can get difficult because they're kids and youth and young adults and they've got all kinds of stuff going on in their hearts and in their minds and in their families. And um, I think that that passage in Galatians of like, don't grow weary when you're doing good um, because there will be a harvest. You may not even be around to see the harvest necessarily, um, but there will be a harvest because God is faithful. Um, and so even if you don't ever get to the point where you see the massive youth group or the super successful kids ministry, um, rest in being faithful to what God has called you to do and who God has called you to be. Um, because if you can rest in that, all of the other stuff kind of just falls into place. It may take a while and it may take a lot of work, but it certainly will put you in a place where you can see who God is. And for all of the, the like overwork, um, I've learned so much more about understanding the nature of who God is and, and leaning into him. And, um, I was telling my friends a couple of months ago that for me, like this last season of my life has just, I really understand the hymn on Christ, the solid rock I stand all under other ground is sinking sand. Um, because Jesus was the only solid thing in my life. Um, because everything else was shaking and, and unstable. Um, and I couldn't, I could have easily grown weary. And I think in a lot of times I did, um, but it was definitely something of, there's going to be a harvest. These kids are going to continue to know Jesus. Um, the kids that I'm serving in school or while I was tutoring, like they're going to have somebody who loves Jesus in their life. I may be the only person that brings Jesus to them. Um, and even though I may not be able to say the name of Jesus in a professional setting, like I carry Jesus with me. And so I'm going to touch their lives with the love of God, whether so don't grow weary. God is up to something, even if you can't always see it. Yeah. Well, and Jen, I want to commend you for working four jobs. <laughs> like you are amazing <laughs> um, for doing all of that and still serving at a local church and still serving next gen. Um, your heart is amazing. And um, you have definitely a better crown than me in heaven right now. So <laughs> God bless you. Um, and what you were saying reminded me of something last night. I was at a youth group and I was talking with um, a student and he, uh, he came from the streets actually around this church. And it was because of youth pastors um, that are no longer at the church, like you're talking about, it was kind of turnover, they end up leaving. And it's crazy that this young man who was on drugs, completely lost, but because of these youth leaders that, you know, again, may seem insignificant, and they're not at the church anymore. Um, but this young man just finished his first year of Bible college. And also this young man is going to be yeah. interning in our office this summer and serving at our camps. And to think that these two youth pastors that again, you know, you so often go unrecognized. Um, and, and they were, I know that these people were working multiple jobs too. And anyways, but you know, yeah, don't grow weary in doing good, you know, cause you are going to reap that harvest and, and you may not fully see it 
um, yet, but God's working. He's planting those seeds. So that's a good word, Sister Jennifer. I receive it. Um, <laughs> can we go through your resources real quick? I want to go through those. If you have access to Zoom right now, um, you can look at the resources. So can you walk us through, it's in, it's in the chat feature, um, what these resources are. It looks like you have kids, youth, and young adults, um, favorite books, and some other websites. So if you just want to walk us through what those are. Uh, yeah, so I'm an avid reader and I spend a lot of time on the internet. So um, I've just kind of picked up some tips and tricks. And this is an exhaustive list, but it's um, something to be worked with. So for kids, um, children's ministry deals, I found to be a great resource for curriculum. Um, I really, really love some of the things that they've done and our kids have really loved it. Um, it's very holistic. Um, like it'll give you games and snacks and like a full, um, well-developed curriculum that's biblically based and like, I really love it. So that's been a really good one. Um, Orange definitely goes beyond just kids, um, definitely into youth and young adults. It's really a family ministry. Um, so something I really appreciate about Orange, um, again, very, Sources using their VBS this year. Um, and then Foursquare Missions Press and Children's Gospel Box. Um, I mentioned earlier that a couple years ago I um, was in Sri Lanka and I went um, last year as a trainer for Children's Gospel Box. And I just love the work that FMP is doing um, in getting resources into the hands of the field to help them uh, spread the gospel. And Children's Gospel Box in particular. Um, is something that is near and dear to my heart in, in how they spread the gospel for kids. Um, so for people who do kids ministry, I would highly recommend getting involved with this ministry um, and just partnering with them and, and seeing how you can help and support um, kids around the world getting to know Jesus. Um, under Youth and Younger Adults, um, Fuller Youth Institute is like my bread and butter, not just because I graduated from Fuller Seminary, um, the stuff that's coming out of why uh, is amazing. So thoughtful um, when it comes to dealing with um, just really practical things for youth and for young adults. Um, I remember one article was like, what do you do with kids who are home from college over Christmas break? And I'm like, that's so real. Like, I remember being that kid, you know? Um, so Fuller Youth Institute, Collegiate Collective is another one for young adults um, of giving some really um, great ways to engage kids at a college level, um, how they can impact their campuses, but also how they can um, faithfully serve Jesus as young adults. Um, and then SoCal Squad, uh, this is sort of shameless self-promotion because three of the people who wrote that are on this call. <laughs> um, but uh, I am super, super proud of this resource, um, not just because I love the people who participated in it. I think it's something that has been such a beautiful use of this explaining our Foursquare distinctives um, in language that's so helpful for youth, and I would even say for young adults. Um, and I think it's also given some real practical ways of how do we engage um, squad language on our campuses. How do we, you know, take um, 
Jesus to our campuses as, as young people. So if you haven't, go check out SoCal Squad. Um, the link is in the, um, the chat feature. It's amazing and I love it. And I'm super, super proud of us. Um, not only the four of us that did it, but us as a, a, uh, a district putting something out um, for that. Um, just a quick run through of my favorite books. Um, Growing Young by Carol Powell, Jake Mulder, and Brad Griffin comes out of Fuller Youth Institute. Um, a great resource on how to release young people and leaders. Helpful. Uh, Meet Generation Z and Rise of the Nuns by James Emery White uh, gives some really good insight into this generation, um, what they know, what they want, what they could do, um, and we're already starting to see that a bit, so really good insight. And then um, Every Child Welcome, it's a ministry handbook for including kids with special needs, and I feel like it's been really helpful in starting the conversation about how do we serve kids um, with different, uh, different needs well. Um, it addresses kids on the spectrum. It addresses kids with physical disabilities and other sensory processing disorders and things like that. Um, and so I think it's a really, really helpful, um, piece of work to help start those conversations. And then other web resources, I have a lot of them. This is just a short list. Um, Q ideas. It's like TED Talks. Um, I would also say TED Talks are great because um, it helps kind of frame the culture and gives you um, some things to kind of process. Um, some of the things I know I've talked to students about, like I had no idea about, and then I heard a TED Talk about it or something on Q Ideas to help me kind of hear it from a different perspective that may not be a teenager perspective, but be able to translate accordingly. Foursquare Next Gen, that website has a lot of great resources. You see a lot of stuff. Um, they have a Facebook page too. Um, so I'd highly recommend check that out because um, Foursquare is doing some good work with Next Gen. The Inclusive Church is, and Joni and Friends are both about how to include kids with special needs, um, how to serve people, not just kids, um, adults as well, that have um, disabilities and, and how to do that well and faithfully without feeling like um, they're being excluded or exploited, um, space is the big thing with, when you're talking about special needs, um, is, is the idea of making space for them as opposed to, like, being the person that's like, oh my gosh, we have a special needs ministry. Like, I don't think, if I, if it were me, I wouldn't want that necessarily, like, over broadcast, but know that I can walk into a place and feel comfortable. Um, and so inclusive church is a really good resource for that. And then Pinterest and Amazon is basically how I live my life and how I run my ministries. So, um, those are just really great resources. Um, Amazon prime is my jam. Sweet. Well, Jen, thank you so much for being on lunch hour. It's always a pleasure to hear you talk because you're just really smart and awesome. So thank you for your time. Mm -hmm.